Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, we'll have the latest headlines from the End Times, and Steve Butler will offer the next lesson in our study of why we should explore Bible prophecy. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Thank you for tuning in today. Whether it's by radio, podcast, or online at swrc.com, thank you for being here. Please invite your family and friends to check out this daily dose of clarity. Friends, have you received our brand new monthly catalog, Timely Tools? Timely Tools highlights the latest resources from your friends at Watchmen on the Wall and SWRC. Each month, this beautiful catalog is delivered to you full of the latest books, DVDs, and other timely resources designed to inform you and encourage your faith. Timely Tools is a free way to stay up to date on all the latest DVDs and books by your favorite speakers and teachers. Get your copy of Timely Tools by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Time to get our Bibles out and join author and teacher Steve Butler for today's look at the importance of exploring Bible prophecy. Last program, we were in Matthew 26, Matthew 26, so let's go there. That's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so the first book of the New Testament. And go to Matthew 26, and this is the night in which Jesus is betrayed. He's just come from the uh, upper room where he's had an intimate supper with his disciples, with his apostles. Basically has laid out what the uh, world's going to look like for them given that Israel has rejected him as their Messiah. And so we're going to go into what's called the church age for a couple of thousand years, and he's kind of la- he's laid that out for them. And now he's gone to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's going to pray to his father, and he's going to be betrayed. And he wants to make the point here that if you had been studying the Old Testament, which at that time was all they had, there were no Testament books, If you had been studying the prophetic scriptures, you would have known exactly step by step what was going to happen. So he's basically telling them in the garden when the high priest shows up to arrest him, of course, with Judas, who has betrayed Jesus, they show up and one of Jesus' followers takes his sword out and cuts the ear off of the high priest. And Jesus looks at the the man that has cut off the um, ear basically saying, hey, it's not necessary that you do that. Do that. In Matthew 26, 53, it says, or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? And when you're talking about uh, legions of angels, this number would be 72,000, 72,000 angels. Verse 54, how then will the scriptures be fulfilled, which say that it must happen this way? Verse 55, at that time, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place, all this, verse 56, all this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets. Then all the disciples left him and fled. And, of course, that's prophetic as well, the fact that all of his followers 
would leave him. And we'll get into that here in one of the scriptures. This is the New Testament situation where Jesus is admonishing his own followers if you had just studied the scriptures. So given this little passage right here in Matthew 26 about being in the Garden of Gethsemane and being betrayed by this horde of um, people from the high priest, let's go to Psalms. So find that big book of Psalms. You can find uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah, keep going to the left and you get past the Proverbs and then into Psalms. And if you can get to Psalms and go to Psalm 22 and let's look at verses 11 and 12. Now, remember back, Jesus is in the garden. He has been betrayed by Judas. His other apostles and followers are around him, but this big group of uh, authorities, if you will, the high priest was the high religious authority. Most likely he had Roman soldiers with him to some degree. And uh, it says in verse 11 of Psalm 22, and realizing that Psalm 22 was written a thousand years approximately a thousand years before this event in Christ's life. Psalm 22, verse 11, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help me. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. Now, we're not going to read the rest of this passage in here now, but it's basically describing the arrest of, and the crucifixion of Christ a thousand years before it happened. But he's even talking about the details of being encircled by this large group of people, strong bulls of Bashan. Of course, at that point in time, the Bashan was up on the Golan Heights in the northeast corner of Israel. It borders with Syria. And the, the, the bulls up there were partic- known particularly for their strength and their size and so forth. So he's making the point that a strong group of people with great authority have surrounded me, and therefore trouble is near, and he's appealing to his father, which of course he had done in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says at the end of verse 11, for there is none to help. And if you'll recall at the very, the last verse, uh, verse 56 in Matthew 26, it said, at that point all his disciples left him. Just amazing so you, hopefully you're getting a flavor here, and it'll be that flavor will be further and further uh, enriched and excited uh, and enhanced as we go through point number six here and see each of these ancient prophecies come to fulfillment in exactly the way it was prophesied, even though it may be a thousand or more years in the future. And of course, here we're only talking about those uh, prophecies that have come to pass, not those that are yet to be fulfilled. And of course, our, our, our point, our, our hope here is that if we can appreciate uh, as a listener that when you see an ancient prophecy fulfilled in exact detail and time and place and circumstance, then you would you know, hopefully have the enhanced confidence that anything that has yet to be fulfilled that was prophesied would be fulfilled in exactly the same way to the same degree of detail. That's the point I really want to try and get across here through the whole the whole study, the whole series here on why explore Bible prophecy, but particularly here in point number six, because I, I, I wanted to put this number of passages in here because I wanted to have as much detail as I could without going overboard to make the point that if they came to pass 
in such great detail, why wouldn't the future prophecies come to pass in the same degree of detail? So let's, um, let's move on to the next one, and let's stay in the book of Psalm. In fact, we just have to go back to the, the left in your Bible, just a, a few Psalms here to Psalm 16, Psalm 16. And this is another Psalm of David. So therefore, we can pinpoint the timing to a, th- a thousand years before Jesus Christ. And I think that's just amazing. There's no book anywhere in the world in the history of mankind that has contained prophecies that have come to specific fulfillment one after the other as we have with God's Word, which we call the Bible. Psalm 16, verses 8 through 10. It says, I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. So this is one of those major prophecies of David And, of course, uh, God greatly favored David, even with all of his problems, all of his mistakes, his his sins, his foibles. He still had a heart uh, after God, and God blessed him. Where uh, God put his Holy Spirit on David, and it never left David. And, of course, we know from the Old Testament studies that the Holy Spirit would come on and would leave people, uh, depending on whether they were righteous or unrighteous. But it never left David, even though he had all of those problems. It was because of the the purity of his heart for God. But we see here, again, back to Psalm 16, uh, we're particularly talking about verse 10 where it says, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. It doesn't say he won't go there, but he said, you won't abandon me there. You won't leave me there. And he also confirms, not only will you not leave me there, but you will not allow your Holy One, and that's an obvious Uh, reference to Jesus Christ, who was yet a thousand years in the future, you will not allow your Holy One to undergo decay. And of course, we know that he gloriously arose. So we have this passage in Psalm 22, and we want to go to several passages in the New Testament now to see uh, just how this was fulfilled. So let's go to Matthew. We're in Psalms, so we want to go back to the right past the Old Testament into the first book of the New Testament, which is the book of Matthew. We want to go to Matthew chapter 27. And in Matthew 27, 27, it reads, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. So the point is, you recall back in Psalm 22 that we read in relationship to Matthew 26, the first point, if you will, the first set of scriptures in point number six. It was talking about the bulls of Bashan. Well, here's another example where you have the Roman cohort, and a cohort was, you know, several hundred soldiers. Uh, They called it a battalion back then. I don't know if it's the same battalion as we have today, but if it is, that's approximately 300 plus soldiers. Anyway, the, the, the strong bulls of Bashan surrounded him. Well, here we have that. Not only was the high priest uh, an authority figure with a contingent of people with him there in the garden, but they escorted him 
to the Praetorium, which was the military, um, the area around the military headquarters there. And uh, the whole Roman cohort surrounded him. So we have the first example there of a New Testament fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. Then let's get into some specifics here about the uh, crucifixion. Let's go to the book of John. So this is Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So go three more books to the right, to the last of the four Gospels, and go to John chapter 19, John chapter 19. And in verse 34, it says, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. So we're going to be seeing several things that happen because it talks about the water, water coming out of his body a thousand years before. Here it's talking about water coming out of his body at the actual crucifixion of Christ. It's a mixture of blood and water. And I don't know about you, and I'm not certainly not a doctor with any medical background, but normally you would think if you uh, cut somebody, blood comes out, but specifically the Bible says blood and water came out. So that's a fulfillment of that particular um, passage right there. And then staying in John 19, let's go up a little bit to verse 28. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I am thirsty. And a jar of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. He gave up the spirit at that point in time, but the prophecy was that he was thirsty. So he wanted to make that point clear again from uh, Psalm 22. It's Psalm 22. And I think I may have jumped ahead here. Uh, and I meant I said Psalm 16, and I think I did. I was in Psalm 22. So let me go back to Psalm 22, and I apologize for that. I got a little too excited with my scriptures there. Psalm 22. Let me go back and read Psalm 22, and I think what we've been saying in Matthew and John will make a little more sense. Psalm 22, and let's look at uh, verses 11 through 18, and it says, In Psalm 22, again, a psalm of David, so a thousand years before Christ. Psalm 22, 11. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shard, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws, and you lay me in the dust of death. For the dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. They count all my bones. They look. They stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing, they cast lots. Before, I hadn't read far enough. I only said 11 and 12, and I meant through 18. And now, hopefully, having gone back and read Psalm 22, 11 through 18, uh, what we've been saying, and I'll quickly review that again, will make more sense. We have two outstanding resources for you to consider today that will keep you informed and deepen your knowledge of Bible prophecy. First is our Prophecy in the News magazine. 
Prophecy in the News magazine equips you with useful articles and insight written from a biblical perspective and always encouraging you to keep looking up. Another outstanding resource is the book What's Next by Dr. Kenneth Hill. What's Next looks at the different views people hold to concerning the end of the age. Subscribe to Prophecy in the News magazine and order your copy of the book What's Next when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Dr. Larry Spargimino and Marvin McIlvaney are ready to share the latest headlines from the end times, helping us make sense of the world around us while keeping our focus on Christ. We read in Luke 21, 25, And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. You know, Marvin, I would have to say that this article really fits into that prophecy. There shall be signs in the sun. Listen to this. Scientists say that they captured the moment that a part of the sun's plasma broke off and was swept into the polar vortex. The moment was caught by NASA instruments, and it has many scientists in the astronomy community talking. Space weather physicist and research scientist Timintha Skov says, although the phenomenon sounds alarming, it is not as dangerous as it sounds. Well, (laughs) I'm glad it's not as dangerous as it sounds, but it still sounds like prophecy fulfilled. It says the plasma broke off from the upper left portion of the sun on February 2nd. These events are called solar prominences. According to reports, they are seen as bright pieces of plasma breaking from the sun's surface and looping back down to reconnect to it. The University Corporation for Atmospheric Research says that these events can reach for thousands of miles and last for several days or even months. Sarah Houseil, the Space Weather Operations Senior Duty Officer at the U.S. Air Force's Space Weather Operations Center, says that a polar vortex is far less understood or known. Material from a northern prominence just broke away from the main filament and is now circulating in a massive polar vortex around the north pole of our star. Here on Earth, a polar vortex is a large, low-pressure system of cold air that gets stronger in the winter and is most often responsible for sending Arctic weather to other places. That's right, Pastor Larry. Just a few weeks ago, we had a polar vortex here on Earth that set a new world's record. Mount Washington in New Hampshire hit a record-setting wind chill of 108 degrees below zero. That area up there is famous for extreme weather conditions. Wind gusts peaked at around 127 miles per hour. Scoff says that the interaction could have exciting implications on understanding the solar system and other gas giants, such as Saturn and Jupiter, which are known for having strong polar winds. It turns out our sun has more in common with these gas giants than one might think, she said. It seems like we avoided a catastrophic event once again, Marvin. I mean, this is really something. You know, in verse 26 of that scripture, it says, Men's hearts failing them for fear, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. You know, it's like the feeling you get when you realize you avoided a car accident, one of those really close calls that made your heart come out of your ear. 
Pastor Larry, I don't know if you've ever played with mercury when you were younger. Probably not a good idea anyway, but we did. It was awesome. It looked like liquid metal as it rolled around in your hand. And I don't know if you've ever seen one of those Terminator movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger, but in one of those, there's a guy from the future who can do that. He turns into a liquid metal aluminum-looking stuff. Then he magically turns back into the original shape. Guess what? They can do that now. Yeah, I saw that. This tiny robot can melt, escape from a prison by sliding through secure bars, and then reform into a solid, complete... It's amazing. I mean, the metal microbot, made out of liquid metal microparticles that can be steered and reshaped by external magnetic fields. And yes, it has been widely compared to the character in T-1000 in the Terminator movie franchise, a cyborg assassin that could morph his way around solid objects before beginning a murderous rampage. That's right, Pastor Larry. But unlike the film, the inventors of this robot believe their discovery can be used for good. Recent micro-robotic innovations include robots small enough to crawl through human arteries, intelligent enough to be taught to swim, and others capable of flying through the air, powered by tiny onboard power supplies. I don't want to sound paranoid, but what if they inject something into your body and then, like the micro-bot, swim into your brain and take over your thoughts or something like that? Well, I've been very careful about what the government wants to inject into me. Who knows? Maybe this is how we get the mark. Maybe it's a good thing, Marvin. I'm, I mean, I'm sure there will be plenty of safeguards in place to protect us all against such risk. No sarcasm intended. Ha, ha, ha. Speaking of government safeguards, senior administration officials scrambled to quell frustrations expressed by lawmakers about a lack of timely information concerning several flying objects and a Chinese spy balloon shot down over the past two weeks. Speaking of government safeguards, senior administration officials scrambled to quell frustrations expressed by lawmakers about a lack of timely information concerning several flying objects and a Chinese spy balloon shot down over the past two weeks. In a classified briefing on Tuesday, officials offered an update on the three aerial objects shot down Friday afternoon and on the weekend. Separately, officials said they believed the objects were not threats to national security and were benign balloons. It's unclear just how much the briefing calmed lawmakers, as senators said they didn't get answers to several questions, including who launched the objects that were shot down in recent days, and whether they were military or commercial vehicles, and what they were doing in the sky. Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell cited the balloons, along with the chaotic withdrawal of U.S. forces from Afghanistan in 2021, Biden's modest request for defense spending in last year's White House budget proposal, and the president's failure to discuss Iran or North Korea in his State of the Union address. Quote, I think it is deeply disturbing that the president put all of his emphasis on things that were unrelated to the very serious threat that we're all confronting here, not only in Ukraine, not only in Asia, but even with balloons flying right over our skies, McConnell said at a press conference. Defense and intelligence officials also are still not classifying the downed UFOs other than to say that they are objects. Speaking of watching fiction on TV, for the first time ever, U.S. adults will spend more time this year watching digital video on platforms such as Netflix 
TikTok, and YouTube than viewing traditional television, Insider Intelligence forecast on Wednesday. In the historic first, the market tracker expects linear TV to account for less than half of daily viewing, dropping to under three hours while average daily digital video watching climbs to 52.3% with three hours and 11 minutes. This milestone is driven by people spending more and more time watching video on their big screen and small screens. Given teens' preferences for social and streaming video over TV, we can expect these trends to continue to shift in favor of digital. Netflix and YouTube are neck-and-neck leaders when it comes to digital video audience attention, with U.S. adults tuning in for about 33 minutes daily on average at each platform, according to Insider Intelligence. Live sporting events becoming available on video streaming platforms is also helping power the shift away from traditional television. TikTok is a key driver, with the average amount of time spent there daily by U.S. adults climbing sharply, according to Insider Intelligence. Twitter owner Elon Musk attempts to bring more video to the app, including potentially incentivizing YouTube creators to post to Twitter will be futile at improving time spent among all U.S. adults unless he also manages to stave off a user decline. I say good, Pastor Larry. I think streaming allows you to choose what and when you want to watch. We can watch shows which were actually good shows back in the day without being subjected to the prevailing winds of wokeism on TV. And more often than not, we get to avoid the amount of hideous commercials. All you really need is an internet connection. I like it too, Marvin, because maybe someday we can replace the fake news and the news that tries to control the narrative. No one cares for the woke, sexualized garbage on TV nowadays, plus who really wants to spend $100 to $200 a month for that garbage? Wow, we are just being inundated in evil. You know what I think, Marvin? We got to stand on the rock, and the rock is Jesus. You know, he tells the story about the man who built his house on a rock, and when the wind blew and the water came, it didn't disappear, it didn't crumble. But what happened to those people who build their lives on sand? Goodbye, Jack. You, your wife, husband, family, sons and daughters need to be grounded in the Word of God. We have two outstanding resources for you to consider today that will keep you informed and deepen your knowledge of Bible prophecy. First is our Prophecy in the News magazine. Prophecy in the News magazine equips you with useful articles and insight written from a biblical perspective. And as always, this magazine will encourage you to keep looking up. Another outstanding resource is the book, What's Next? by Dr. Kenneth Hill. What's Next? looks at the different views people hold to concerning the end of the age. Subscribe to the Prophecy in the News magazine and order your copy of the book, What's Next? when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. And don't forget our winter clearance event. All this month, we're featuring major discounts on many of the items in our online resource center. Books and DVDs that will inform and encourage you. Visit our website and check out all the great items that are deeply discounted this month. SWRC.com. That's SWRC.com. Tomorrow, Josh Davis reveals how to discover the authentic Jesus.
Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. Thank you.